0: And great ideas can come from anybody. As long as you have that open, courageous, collaborative culture, then I think that you can make a difference. Change is hard, there's no question. And I believe that the people now in this organization have embraced that and believe in what they're doing. And for me, if you've got great people that really wanna work together and wanna create something special, it makes it so much easier to be a leader.
1: No, those were not the words from the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or the founder of a high-growth tech startup. That was Keith Pelley, CEO of the European Tour. In less than two years at the helm, Keith has transformed their culture and created the innovative vision for this once-traditional golf organization. The European Tour, under Keith's guidance, is now taking a courageous leadership role that embraces experimentation, entrepreneurism, and creativity. His motivation? To grow the popularity of the sport, connect with an untapped younger audience, and ensure a sustainable, relevant future for the game he loves. Welcome, everyone, to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with golf's top influencers, entrepreneurs, innovators, and disruptors about their vision to reimagine, transform, and grow the game. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with European Tour CEO Keith Pelley. Hello Keith. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf podcast.
0: Oh, thanks Colin. I'm not sure which one I am. What do you, what, you say you're talking to influencers, entrepreneurs, innovators, disruptors? Well, yeah, not... I see
1: what I see what you're doing, Keith. I think you fit in the category of all the above. You know, not to uh, not to pat you on the back too early coming out of the gate here, but what uh, what we're going to talk about today and what the things you've been creating and experimenting with, I think you uh, you certainly fit in into uh, into all of those. So, uh, so Keith- Very, very
0: I, kind.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I can't wait to dig into all the innovative things that you're creating here, Keith. But before we do that, can you tell us who is Keith Pelly and what motivated you to leave your role as president at Rogers Media in Canada and to accept the challenge of the European Tour?
0: Oh, I've had, um, oh, well, thanks very much. Well, Rogers Media was was a terrific job. I actually loved uh, all facets of that and, and certainly uh, adored the Rogers family who were terrific to myself and to my family. Uh, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've had a real privileged career and an opportunity to work with some, uh, some fantastic people. And I've worked in sports all my life, worked with athletes all my life. And I think, Colin, I, I think the reason that I made the move here Certainly, I had a great love and appreciation for golf, both watching and playing, but it never worked in the sport. And so I guess the chance to combine business with a sport I've played since a young age was enticing. And as I became more familiar with the European tour, I was energized by the potential and the opportunity and a very progressive chairman and board who shared my desire for change. Combine that with the tour already had many building blocks in place, three multinational tours played across five continents of the world, strong relationships and partnerships that we've cultivated in Asia, Australia, Korea, a global footprint, you know, already in place with opportunities for growth, a strong brand like the Ryder cup and perhaps the most important thing, which is the real magic of, of the European tour and golf, which is our players. They're special. You know, they have, incredible integrity, sportsmanship, seldom seen in professional sport. And they're passionate and believe in our tour and and have been a, a wonderful asset as we've tried to build and grow it. So I think there were a number of reasons. And my charming bride wanted to live in Europe and go on an epic adventure. And she's on there's one now.
1: The motiv- there's the motivation. And, now, and now she's it all on makes sense. one
0: now, Colin. She's on <laughs> one now.
1: <laughs> okay, now it all makes sense, Keith. Well, I find it very interesting that what you're doing with uh, with Rogers. I'm sure you were very happy and very engaged with doing that. So for you to take this leap in faith, and be, besides your wife wanting to work in Europe or live in Europe, I find it uh, I find it interesting that you've taken on this new challenge here. And I'm I'm assuming that before, and you've been there for two years now. Is that correct? Almost two years to the day that you've been CEO of, of the European Tour.
0: I think 20 months. I have another four months to go before my anniversary, so which, which allows me to, uh, to hopefully make some more progress before the two-year mark.
1: That's great. So, But I'm sure right out of the gate, you had some big plans of changing how things were done at the European Tour and, and what you were creating there. And on that, I'd like to start with what happened uh, just a week ago here, and that was with Golf 6s. So can you please tell our audience what is Golf 6s and where you're planning on going with that?
0: Wow, that's an excellent question where we're, where we're going to plan to go with it. But Golf 6s was a concept that we developed here, which is really not a new concept. It's not necessarily the most innovative concept, in fact, playing six holes of golf. But we had the courage to try it and and the courage to try to execute and to finance and fund a six-hole tournament that was a six-hole match play featuring 16 different countries in a different form of golf. You know, the traditional, as I've said all along, the traditional 72-hole event will always exist. But outside of these 72-hole tournaments like the majors and the Rolex series, can the game sustain a year-long diet of 72-hole events on all our tours across the world? And I think there is a is a scope for innovation and change. And I think more than anything else, Golf 6 showed that. It was a proof of concept. It certainly accomplished the, the fact that the concept worked. It showed, again, how supportive our players are, both in, in person, like Chris Wood, and on social, like Justin Rose. And there will be fine-tuning to make it. But the six-hole, greensome match-play concept certainly worked and it combined what we think is critical is the game needs another format and it needs a format that is geared towards attracting uh, a different crowd it needs to be always maintaining the integrity but certainly putting entertainment at the forefront if it isn't entertaining it's failing in its objective and we believe that we are an entertainment content company where golf is our platform and I think the golf sixes showed that there is an appetite for change and the crowd that we had the feedback that we had and the media support they had a, a willingness to want this to work and that's something that that was not missed from all of us here at the tour. So golf sixes is something now. Uh, you ask where it goes from now. We're going to enter into a research and a planning stage, but one of a one with a sense of urgency. We're going to receive as much feedback we can from our players, our stakeholders, our fans, and then determine where it can go. But the newspapers in the UK told us to do something different. We did and they gave it blanket coverage. Social media was hugely positive, and now we need to build on what we believe is something special. It's
1: wonderful, and I find it interesting with the, even the name and the brand Golf Sixes. I believe you have taken inspiration from other sports that have succeeded in compressing their gameplay and making it a more engaging experience and having that overlay of entertainment and content creation from with cricket from a 5-day test match to 2020 cricket that they have now and also with rugby with a compressed version of rugby sevens which are both of those are extremely popular. So can you tell me a bit about that was were those a couple of the inspirations you used to create golf sixes?
0: Well well I think the the inspiration really came from the what I believed and what we all believed here at the tour was the need. And I believe the narrative that is happening around the world of golf, that we need to broaden our base as far as, as who consumes this game on a regular basis and how we can actually extend this wonderful game and these incredible athletes that we have and extend them to a larger audience and to people that are not necessarily golf aficionados or not necessarily what I call golf diehards. So what we needed was something that was incredibly fashionable, something that was, was fast paced, something that was different than the traditional 72 hole tournament. And that's what we did. And like I said, it's in the infancy stages. It will evolve. We will build it. We will grow it. Uh, but the response that we had certainly validated what I just gave you. And that is the fact that there is an appetite for a new format in the world of golf. And when you look at, as you said, in terms of the rugby sevens, or when you look at 2020 cricket, when you look at anybody's business, I think if you are not continuing to look to improve your product, if you're not looking to evolve and to grow your business, then you run the risk of uh, standing still and and falling behind. And at that particular time, there are a plethora of examples over the years that people didn't think that, A, the Internet was going to be as successful as it is. Or digital and the way that people consume content was not going to affect the retail business like it did. And for those that didn't actually move forward, those were the ones that are now out of business and fell behind. And I think that whether you're in business, whether you're in sport – and as as someone who is a gatekeeper of the professional game, I think we owed it on our players to explore different formats, to grow the game for them. And that's what we're trying to do here.
1: And I think you, the first step you've taken here is a, a very positive one. And I did follow the Golf Sixes. I did watch it on Golf Channel over here in North America and also followed online. And I will say you guys were very committed not only to your broadcast product and what I saw through uh through tv on the ground there at centurion club but also online i even the way you guys were communicating and and pushing out content and connecting with the audience for a conversation even on twitter i noticed after a match was won you push out immediately which team had won and also the graphics that you put out there and attached to that were were very contemporary and very of the moment. So I, I can tell it was thought through the entire journey of the experience on all these different platforms with what you were testing and experimenting here with.
0: I think that's important. I think that's critical. But like I, I said, Colin, we took a lot away from it. We learned a lot. You know, we made we made some mistakes. Some things worked, some things didn't. But you have to be prepared to accept failure if you're going to try some real creative and innovative ideas. And that is isn't all aspects of life and anything that you do in business and anything that you do in sport. And, and we're willing to, uh, to try. There is, I said, a global appetite to try new ideas. We have championed them and there's no doubt the time is right. But as I said, it's, it's, it's not just golf. Colin, you would, you would know this, look at how the U S sports are changing and adapt to make the games Different and quicker. You, Major League Baseball, talking about uh, how long you can have between pitching changes the the national football league has certainly over the years changed their rules for unlimited movement at the line of scrimmage and so forth to make the game more of a passing and exciting and offensive game than just three down running football so it's it's not just us it's everybody that's looking to involve and improve your product but we believe that we're uh, we're leading the uh, the transformation of the global game of golf it, it
1: it certainly looks that way and what I love about this that I do look at the culture that you're creating there at the European Tour, and I will touch on that in a a few minutes here, but this entrepreneurial spirit and the way you're you're approaching this. Keith, you, you sound more like a young Silicon Valley tech startup founder rather than someone that's running an established global golf tour. And I think that's great. The fact you're now taking the stance of experimenting and taking chances and very much, I don't know if you're familiar with the lean startup methodology that applies mostly to tech startups of putting something out there is what they call a minimum viable product and figuring out what works and doing this build, test, learn, and then iterate, and then build again very quickly. And, You were certainly doing that and taking that approach. So congratulations on that. And and to that, so what are the biggest takeaways? I know it's early. It's only happened a couple of days ago. But what are the biggest takeaways regarding what worked and what didn't at Golf Sixes? And what did the team learn to make the next Golf Sixes event even better?
0: Well, I think it is is too early to to look at what worked and what didn't. Like you would in Silicon Valley, you would take an idea and you would try a proof of concept and then you would go into a deep research mode and evaluate through focus groups and data and through all different types of findings through the actual key stakeholders that you're eventually targeting. And that's exactly what we're going to do now. What worked for me, I can tell you was incredibly rewarding to see the engagement and how the players embraced the fans and how close they got to the fans and how they relished in it. And they were playing for, there were 32 players playing for a million euros. So there so there was a, a lot of money on the table at the same time, but um, they definitely Embrace the entertainment side despite the fact that they were playing a very serious golf tournament.
1: Yes. And I, I did notice that the intensity of day two really, really ratcheted up there. Whereas on day one with the, with the, uh, the group competition, it did seem a bit more lighthearted and you could see these guys, they were, they were playing for real money and, and there was, there was a lot of stake here for, uh, for these guys. And you certainly uh, noticed that there was a lot of drama that occurred out there, but and one of the things I did love about the audience and the engagement, the way you actually shot the content with the, the camera views of really compressing the crowd and bringing them in as a backdrop. And I've seen that a lot of what Red Bull does with their events and understanding that with their action sport events, that the audience and the engagement and the energy of the audience is very important. And you certainly accomplish that with uh, with the way that you guys experimented with different camera shots and different camera positions that you had with that. One thing I really enjoyed, because I know on all six holes you tried something different on each hole as an experiment. The one I loved the most was the fourth hole shot clock. Shot clock. And I know and I know you started out with 40 seconds, and I love the fact within two rounds on, on Saturday, you already said, you know what, we're gonna pivot, we're gonna change this and make it into 30 seconds. So here I'm gonna I'm gonna actually put you on the clock now, Keith. I'm gonna give you 30 seconds to tell us about the fourth hole shot clock.
0: What's really interesting about that, Colin, it was a 40-second shot clock, then it went to 30, as you said, but it wasn't us that made the decision to do that. It was the players. Uh, A number of of players came to our uh, tournament director and said, 40 seconds is too long right? Just make it 30 seconds. We'll take one practice swing and hit it down the middle. What is really, really interesting and what we'll need to do some research is based on the fact of that hole compared to one of the other uh, par fives, was it more successful as far as fairways hit with the one that was in the shot clock or the one that isn't? And that's one of the pieces of research we're going to do, but it was fantastic being there and watching them hit within 30 seconds. I loved it. And one of the things I loved is when it got within 10 seconds, usually when they're putting around the
1: greens, there were more fans there, that you'd have people screaming, counting down to zero. And it didn't seem to phase the players. And I love this. And one thing I've always said about golf, it's very much like tennis. Why does it have to be so dead quiet? I know Keith, you come from a a sport background, especially with baseball. You know, if someone, a a major league ball player is able to hit a 95 mile an hour fastball when there's 50,000 people screaming why can't someone hit a golf ball or hit a tennis ball if the noise level is still at that constant level like you would have at a, at a Major League Baseball game? So I, I love having that countdown there. Didn't seem to put off any of the players. Some of them seem to relish that and seem to enjoy
0: it. No, not at all. In fact, Andy Sullivan waited every time so that uh, so that he got the countdown. But you made reference to to Major League Baseball. How about the National Basketball Association, you know, where they just absolutely pound the music during breaks that often goes right into the play and it doesn't stop LeBron James from hitting a three pointer so it's just as again we're in the midst of, of, uh, of determining what works and what doesn't work but you have to be prepared to experiment with a bunch of different concepts and when you have the players at the forefront uh, leading that and and you know on Sunday I, I got there early on Sunday and this was just before Chris Wood was going out to play his quarterfinal match and you know here's, here's a great champion a Ryder Cup player and he and he said to me he said Keith Keith he said he goes here's what we need to do and and that was pretty telling because first he said we and then by saying here's what we need to do he's bought in right he's like okay here here's how we can improve it and 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 I just I just looked at him and I just said well he's six, six, so I looked way up um, and 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 i and I said, "You know, thanks for the support and he said no this is this this is great and I, and I don't think, and I think it's really important to to express this this is not going to happen every single. Week. And this is not replacing the game that we love. I, I love the 72-hole tournament. I love the 18-hole stroke plays. Love it. You know, that's why I got into this game. but But, and I've played that all my life. But at the same time, right, the world is changing. People are consuming content completely different millennials and today's youth have so there's the saturation of content and the multiple choices they have for entertainment now is overwhelming and golf has to evolve and change with the times so we're not looking to replace something here we're looking to add and extend the audience and extend the reach of this wonderful game to a new audience and maybe just maybe that through the actual incredible engagement with the players and seeing their skill and being able to touch and feel them up close just maybe they like I did when I was a young kid fall in love with the wonderful game it's my understanding that you have you have
1: a 14-year-old son and I believe you use him as your your barometer your litmus test for what uh, what appeals to a younger audience and, and what works what did he think of the uh, of the golf sixes
0: well, it's, it's it's interesting because watching the first couple of hours on Sky, which I think was broadcast to the U.S. audience as well, I think was a, a tad too much on the entertainment side, and then it went a little bit too much on the golf side, and then Sky, who's a wonderful partner of ours, and invested in this and helped with the technology, found the proper level and 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 day number 2 was was spectacular and much better than day number 1 however to your question is what did my 14 year old jason as as my barometer think of it well when we were when we were watching the first 2 hours where i thought it was too much entertainment and and again the key for us is to be incredible yet entertaining informative yet entertaining you know and he said he goes you know, he said, what's, what's wrong, dad? And I said, well, no, 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 nothing. He said, no, 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 no. What's, what's, what's wrong? I said, well, I just, I just think we need to show more golf shots. And I think this and this, and he went, he said, he goes, ah, it's great. And I said, Matt's a 14 year old. And he said, he goes, dad, this is a whole different product and you're trying for a different audience. And with all due respect, the 53 year old man is not the audience. No, And that's, and unfortunately I'm 53 and he was pointing it towards me. (laughs) And so, so at at the, at the end, Colin, when you use your 14 year old and all his friends as the barometer, what they, what their appetite is, is completely different. And you always have to remember what you're actually trying to target. And if somebody who is a, a 60 year old or 70 year old, um, you know, who has grown up with the game and has only consumed the 72-hole tournament, this might not be for him or her, but that's okay. That's totally okay. Golf needs to extend its audience and reach out to the likes of the 14-, 15-, and 16-year-olds. And, you know, sometimes us administrators need to understand that, sadly, I'm no longer in the 18-49 to demo (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, but it's, and your son and his friends are the future of golf, and it certainly needs to resonate with them. So that's, uh, that's very encouraging to hear that he, uh, he loved what, what he saw there at the golf sixes. So I, I could talk about golf sixes all day here, but I don't only really have you for uh, a limited amount of time. So there are some other things I wanted to, to touch on. So I, I realize you've made a big push here with golf sixes and the other initiative we're going to talk about in a minute here with the uh, with the public and with the media of what uh, the bold innovations that you're uh, that you're trying here but tell me a bit about internally with the european tour because i know that in order for a company to be sustainably innovative innovation needs to be deeply embedded in its culture and its purpose so what strategies and initiatives did you and the european tour as an organization undertake to engage and inspire your staff members to build an entrepreneurial culture there
0: Huh. That's an excellent question. I would say that, yeah, that you're right. You need to change the culture as far as, as to what people believe in, if you're going to make significant change. Our goal is, is to make a difference, but to look at the way that we make that difference in our game and build a better golf environment for our players and more opportunities. And to do that, you have to you have to create a very collaborative culture you have to create a very courageous culture uh, while at the same time striving for excellence but you can't you know you have to be able to encourage creativity and encourage the creativity to come from anybody in the organization we have a very young smart aggressive group of individuals in all facets of our departments And great ideas can come from anybody. As long as you have that open, courageous, collaborative culture, then I think that you can make a difference. Change is hard. There's no question. And I believe that the people now in this organization have embraced that and believe in what they're doing. And for me, if you've got great people that really want to work together and want to create something special, it makes it so much easier to be a leader.
1: And I've heard that directly through the, uh, the staff members of yours that I've engaged with leading up to this podcast, and I can just hear the passion and conviction in their voices and the engagement that's there, and they love where this is going. And transformational change within an organization is not easy, and it does take time, and there is casualties along the way. I'm sure that when you came in, there were some people that the old guard that perhaps didn't buy into that. And I don't know if they've moved on or how that worked or they managed to change their uh, their mindset on this. But I'm sure that transition was an, and continues to be something that you work at every single day within, uh, within your group.
0: Well, it is something that, that I believe strongly in. There's two things that make great sports teams. That's obviously to have incredible skill. And the second is incredible chemistry, right? And we have all seen every single professional athlete on a team sport is gifted, right? They don't, yes. they don't become a professional major league baseball player, national hockey league player, uh, playing the premier league, giving you a little bit of Europe there. They don't become that Colin, unless they're incredibly skilled. However, the best teams and the teams that repeat and, and are great is because of the intangible and that's the chemistry they have and the appreciation and respect for individuals. And there are many times that the most skilled players don't win the championships over and over again, that happens. And that's, that's the intangible. So if you, you, first and foremost, you need great people to work with you and to have, and they have to then be able to work in a, in a cultured environment where, it's collaborative and chemistry is critical and then hey then you then you can create something special
1: and i believe you guys are just at the tip of the iceberg here of the, the potential within your organization and i certainly look forward to hearing all the great things you guys create in the future and i know i'll only have you for a few minutes more here keith but speaking of the future golf 6 is not the only initiative and innovation that you're uh, you're creating Could you tell us in our audience about the upcoming 2017 Rolex Series 8 and what goals that looks to accomplish?
0: Oh, well, there's no question. This is one of the most important initiatives in the tour's 45 year history. The Rolex series, you know, will elevate the already high points of our European tour season. There's eight events. They're all a minimum of 7 million prize purse, but it's much more than just money. It's a total different product. It'll have significantly enhanced content across all our platform, enhanced TV coverage, enhanced digital production, enhanced technology. There's a higher concentration on interactivity for fans at the event there'll be increased ranking points for the race to Dubai and the Ryder Cup after that point race brings later in later in the uh, in the year it's uh it's a product that we believe can grow over time and at the same time the Rolex series is uh, is eight events that are high profile events that we believe will elevate the overall brand of the tour. And our first one is coming up at the BMW PGA championship in just a couple of weeks. And we're excited about it. You know, uh, we're, we're very fortunate and privileged to have Rory playing and Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson. And the field is significantly stronger uh, than we had last year. And, and this was an initiative that really, at the end of the day, everything that is created at the European tour is done so with not only the players at the forefront of our thoughts, but with their feedback. And we helped crafted this with our top players. And then we had a wonderful partner who is not only a, a sponsor in terms of uh, of Rolex, but a great partner and a great believer in the game globally. And this is an initiative we're excited about. And uh, And the first one is just a couple of weeks away.
1: Well, we look forward to that. On I believe that's May 25th to 28th before I let you go here Keith I, you, I'm going to I gotta put you on the spot here yeah. and I gonna actually ask to, to pull your crystal ball here so where do you envision the game to be and what do you think it will look like in five 10 or even 20 years from
0: now 20 years is a, is a bigger question five years it'll still be evolving and 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 changing in 20 years huh uh, 20 years I think the majors will be. Very much where they are, strong and still determining many of the players' place in history. There might be one more major in in 20 years, who knows? I do believe that Asia, the game will have grown significantly in Asia and, and China will be a powerhouse in our game. I believe there will be a consolidated global tour in 20 years. And I believe there will be a flourishing second format. There you go.
1: That's a great answer. And I certainly did put you on the spot there. And well, if we if we look fast forward to 20 years, your son, Jason, will be 34. Perhaps at that time, I'd look at we haven't had a chance to talk about this, but with virtual reality and augmented reality and, and the overlay that's being developed there and where that'll be. Who knows? Maybe we'll have the opportunity that Jason, as as a recreational player, will in virtual reality be playing in a major at the same time at the Masters with uh, with whoever is the top golfer at the time. Who knows? That that could be, that could be the future of engagement. That you're actually a, in a virtual reality situation, walking down the fairway at, at a major with the players. That would be kind of cool. There's there's my two cents Definitely. worth. Definitely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, def- definitely, definitely could happen. The bottom line is, even though I'll be seventy three, I'll still not want him to beat me. And, <laughs> and uh, at, se- at seventy three, and at seventy three, I guarantee you, I will be uh, at the lake at the uh, at, at my house, just two hours north of Toronto. So, but uh, my word, how will I be consuming content? Whew, that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting one. Well, that'll be another conversation that I hope you and I can have
1: at another time. So on that note, Keith, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your pectic schedule to talk with me today on the Mod Golf podcast. And with that, I'd like to say to our audience, thanks so much for listening. And Keith, thanks for being on
0: today. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it. All the best. Thanks. All right. Bye for now.
1: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the European Tour CEO, Keith Pelley, to learn how an established golf organization is reinventing itself to help create the future of the game. Please join us next week when I speak with Golfstream co-founder and CEO, Darren Dummett, to learn how they have created an indoor golf experience that combines laser projections and augmented reality to deliver an engaging and fun social activity. I'm Colin Weston, and I welcome your comments and feedback Please subscribe to the show on iTunes to ensure each new episode is freshly delivered to you on every Tuesday. You can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at ModGolfPodcast, Podcast, and my Twitter handle is at ColinWeston01. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I'll see you next week.